data-driven podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, business leader, or just someone curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host and the co-founder of Story IQ, Dominic Bohan. And today we're going to discuss how to use data to improve your content management strategies. Joining us today is Jonathan Parks. He's the founder and executive producer at Alibi Music, which provides an easily searchable database of music and sound effects for storytellers. From film studios, trailer companies, TV networks, promo houses, advertising agencies, and video game companies, Alibi Music makes it easy to back up your story with the perfect music or sound effects. Today, Jonathan and I are going to discuss data's role in creating searchable music libraries. Here's my conversation with Jonathan Parks, founder and executive producer at Alibi Music. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Love talking data. That is great. So before we get into data and data's role, I think it'd be useful for our guests to get an understanding of what is a searchable music library and how can it be useful to artists and content creators? Yeah, absolutely. Alibi is a production music library, which is a catalog of almost every type and style and genre of music. And it is utilized by TV shows and trailer houses and advertising agency, YouTubers, independent content creators, podcasters, and everything in between to score the stories they are producing. So that's the gist of what we do is we provide music for storytellers. Interesting. And is this royalty-free music or you cover the licensing for them? It is. Royalty-free music is kind of a weird term since it has no legal meaning. It's basically a marketing term used by companies like ours. So yes, in the marketing term sense, we are a royalty-free music library. As with every other royalty-free music library, that doesn't mean royalties aren't involved. Our composers and artists re receive payments and we receive payments from studios licensing their music. And then both the artists and us as a publisher receives performance royalties from public broadcasts of those usages. So from the creator's perspective, who's searching your library, how do you make it easy for them to find exactly what they're looking for? And what's data's role in enabling that? We really have strived and continue to strive to make the complex very simple. Data has been a tremendous role in what we've done since the beginning, along with many other factors. Of course, number one being the quality of the content itself and making outstanding music that's truly useful for those who need it. But then they need to be able to find it. So if they can't find it, it's really not going to be that useful. So we've been always been very, very strict on our data and only including appropriate keywords, including every appropriate keyword 
possible, including instrumentation, genres, moods, etc. For right now, the catalog has nearly 400,000 audio files. Every audio file has approximately, or exactly, somewhere around 270 columns of data. We have built systems to automate some columns based on other columns in a SQL database and be able to automate some of the information from how the file names and track titles are structured. So as much as a manual process as the initial data is, we do try to automate a lot of it's kind of, all those columns are, a lot of them are kind of redundant because we do need to deliver to different formats and to different studios have their internal platforms and so on. So they need kind of the same information in different ways, which we can provide. And how much of the, so 270 columns, that's a lot of data multiplied by presumably 400,000 rows. Yes. Pretty huge database. How much of that is populated by a human being overlaying some judgment? versus however else you might do it? I believe it's something about 50 columns populated by people. Okay, that sounds painstaking. Yes, yes, it's <laughs> not all that fun. I did it myself for nearly 15, 20 years of my career. And when I first started Pass It On, it was when we were, it was still in an Excel sheet that would barely open as trying to pass that along so I could focus on getting the database built so we could properly manage this amount of data. Are you able to leverage at least some data from the creators or the ultimate sources of the music files to populate your own database? The only thing that we require data from the producers of the music is that they provide us with lyric sheets and co-writer splits or just the writer information for every song. So those are the only data fields we require from them. It's a unique skill trade to add this data for this purpose that you know composers may or may not have, but we do like to have them create music and not spend all their time typing in Excel sheets. Right. Music creators and data entry people are not two skill sets or interest groups that tend to overlap from what I've seen. Yeah, for what we do, we do. It is better generally if it is done by someone with background in composition or currently in composition to understand all the instruments as well as just a pure understanding of what video editors would be looking for and producers, music supervisors, and how they'd be looking for it. So it's definitely not just data entry. It's a very unique skill set to do well. Yeah. So is there a bit of a feedback loop, like a recursive process where you're analyzing what people are searching for and trying to focus your tagging more on those kind of search terms? For example, are people searching more for particular instruments or particular styles of music? So we do look at those. What we definitely look at is if they're searching for words that for some reason we have not included in our data sets. If that does happen, we can go back and update the entire catalog in a minute. We'll find, because we have a corresponding word if we didn't have that one. And it's rare that we don't have one. But if someone's looking for gloomy and we didn't have gloomy and we, we like 
All right, anything with maybe just off the top of my head, maybe with sad that has the word sad in it, we'll add the word gloomy to all these and repopulate the database. It feels like a lot of parallels to search engines. I guess it is a search engine for music. Pretty much. We've always, from what I've seen, I do think we really do excel at this well past our competitors on the data front, but we never really looked at them for inspiration. We looked at Amazon and AutoTrader and not people who run music companies, but people who run much larger companies than generally our competitors are who hire and work with pure data specialists and those types of things. That makes a ton of sense. Are you able to leverage any of the work that companies like Google and Amazon have done? Is some of it open source? Yeah, no. So the more indirect route is maybe hire people that have worked at those firms. So the first part is organizing the data and having it all there. Before we had our current site, which is custom from the ground up, we use a platform site, which is a spectacular site, but it didn't meet the unique criteria of what we needed for the catalog. For every main track, we probably have 30 to 40 audio files for that particular piece of music. First, we released the stems, so that's usually quite a bulk of that. Especially with trailers and really high-end productions, I'll really want full control over remixing the track. And it's great for scoring TV background and TV shows because you can use elements of the track where they fit and build to the scene and to the story. And we have that, and then we have the alternate mixes, which include instrumental mix, so there's vocals, of course, the sparse mix. And the sparse mix is a mix with no drums, we do not call it the no drums mix, which many people do, because if you call it the no drums mix, you just put the word drums in the data set of a piece of audio that has no drums, which would drive me bonkers. So we have all these different mixes, and those are useful by themselves or to cut together. And then we have 30 second, 15 second, five second versions of each one. So I just talked to a company that makes promos last week who said the first thing they do when they go to our site is they click the 30 second button because they only want to search the 30 second mixes so they don't have to re-edit the music they can just take one and grab it and cut to it have a perfect 30 second spot so we have all the data sets that we're able to utilize and to create the website that was able to utilize these data sets again i haven't seen any of our current competitors go to any of this level of kind of insanity of an extent of data organization because it's awful. It's just not been fun to do. I totally agree. Earlier in my career, I've done a lot of manual data cleaning and tagging. And after about the first 30 minutes, it gets pretty mind-numbing. So have you found ways to automate that, to use AI and other tools to reduce that tedious manual work? So there's really no way around the manual portion that we do. We have tried, um, there's multiple companies out there that offer AI tagging for music. And some of them, they've definitely gotten better over the two or three years we've been looking at them. But for what they get wrong, it's easier just to do it manually than to go and fix everything. You know, we have really cool music and then we have background music and we have like happy, silly ukulele tracks for commercials. And, 
I just remember seeing one of those, the drums and bass mix of one of those silly, happy folk tracks was uh, labeled as gangster rap in there. And they're audition tagging. I'm like, yep, this is kind of useless for us to try to use. So. Yep. So you're going to end up having to correct the AI's mistakes and probably have a human review everything because it's not reliable enough to ship to your customers anyway. I know some of our competitors using it are using that, and I'm all for it. <laughs> I love to hear that. And, you know, we obviously, as from our perspective, don't want AI to take over music. It would be great if it could take over the tagging because no one likes to do that, but it's nowhere close or not real concerned yet about it taking over our jobs as well. Right. I mean, I think if it can't even do the tagging right, it's a long way off being able to actually create music that people want to listen to. Yeah. But on the tagging note, just thinking out loud here, are you essentially one of the owners of one of the best databases to train an AI music tagging algorithm on? Because you've got a human curated data set and then if you were to partner with a AI company, you could potentially create one of the best music tagging AI tools out there. Yeah, and we have partnered with some and tried to be of service. I know some of the ones that we tried, we gave them some data sets so they could see what we were doing to learn from. As I think not just with music, not just with tagging, but in so many elements of any type of career, any type of industry and job, there's just so many minor human elements you don't think of until like you put a robot in charge, you're like, wow, that really doesn't get it. Yep. I mean, we've all played with ChatGPT, right? And it's great. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was playing, I do a lot of graphic design and I was playing with the new Photoshop AI generator and it does work wonderful for some things. But yesterday, was, you know, last week, I was just trying to take a stock photo and that was kind of cropped in to show the rest of the car and did some weird things with it. It was easier just to pull a different picture of a car and do it manually. I've found that a lot <laughs> with AI. I'm using it for data and analytics, but yeah, it ends up being quicker to just do it the old fashioned way. A lot of the time, at least for now. Yeah. I mean, it does some cool things, but we'll see where it goes. And, you know, it'll, like everything will progress, but I don't know. Just even non, the non-data things, just like, the, you know, we all have these like kind of weird little minuscule things we end up doing all day. Like, oh, this is the thing that AI should do, but there's no way it's ever going to like know to go from this certain website to this certain website into that field and to copy and paste and whatever. Yeah, I was just thinking about the performance of ChatGPT's like web search. I think they just took it down the other day. It's so bad. Uh, it's kind of been painless attention to AI recently. I was really following it in mid-journey school to have fun with, but it's not, it doesn't produce anything I could use most of the time. Yes, yeah, same. We haven't played around a lot, but haven't ended up actually using a single image from mid-journey in our marketing materials we've actually put into the market. I'm just curious how that go. I saw a company on Reddit selling pillows use a mid-journey image, and they, it's a Reddit community for one, but the comments were not kind. Not surprising. Okay, so Data's role in searching music libraries. Some interesting stuff that I think is generalizable about the challenges of tagging, some of the shortcomings of AI. Anything that you want to share about 
ways that we can tag large data sets, assuming we're not using AI and we're using humans to do that task efficiently. Because I think whether it's music or other unstructured data sets or less structured data sets that come untagged, I think it's something that our listeners would be interested in learning how to do better and more efficiently without having to sort of sit there and type out every single tag? Or is that in fact what you do? I haven't done the data personally, the initial data myself in quite a while. It's gone through a few people who've all improved how it was been being done, which is fantastic. To get it done well, I think the first step is you just got to get people who really care. Because even just recently, we finally got the person who's on our team who has been doing the initial data. I'm like, he's also a music producer. I'm like, we have been trying for a long time to get him to hand off the data part so he can focus more on music production. You know, it's hard to let go. They don't want to let go. I didn't want to let go. I'm like, no one can do this as good as I can. He's starting to do that and see if we can find some people to do it to the level that we need it to be done. But I don't know, like we don't, he doesn't type in every word anymore. It's pulls from a list that's already he set up from Excel documents and fun stuff. So if he's typing trumpet, he might type TR and it'll auto-populate the rest? I think it's just pulled down menus that he's using now. That's good to hear that he doesn't have to type out each single instance. So yeah, another great tip there, get people doing your data tagging that actually like it and are passionate about it. And could we even say perfectionists? Yeah, nothing will ever be perfect, but one of my main roles in this company has been data, even though it's a production, it's a creative company. I've been really well-versed in data. So yeah, just finding people who care and enjoy. It's like anything. You just need someone who cares about their craft. Like if someone's building a deck or a house or a boat, it's like you want someone who really cares. I don't even care if the guy who builds a boat likes boats. Just want him to care that when he's building a boat, it's going to be, he cares that it's his work. Yes. And how do you validate that they are doing a good job tagging without having to have another human double check everything again? We always have a QA process, a quality assurance process here. So, you know, it's pretty lax with the person now who's been doing the tagging because we trust them. They've been doing it a long time. Now that we're trying some new people, they'll be validating them and then our team will be validating to make sure it's going in the right direction. That will go on until like we're like, okay, they, they pretty much get it. But even so, we have our team check everything and they're very diligent to the point where I had to actually ask them to tone it down a bit before our head music producer kills them. But, you know, we're releasing a quality product and every part of that product is important. Okay, thanks for sharing. So that wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Jonathan Parks, founder and executive producer at Alibi Music for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Jonathan and I are going to discuss why data management is the unsung hero of creative businesses. If you can't wait till our next episode and would like to learn more about Jonathan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Alibi Music LP or his company website, alibi
Com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling use cases for data, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is StoryIQ on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is at bohandomic on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed and you want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's all for today. But remember, until next time, when it comes to data, less is more.